If you got your Bible, would you turn to Daniel chapter 4 this morning? Daniel chapter number 4 this morning. We're going to look at the story of Nebuchadnezzar and a dream that he had out of Daniel chapter number 4. This week uh, starts our teacher's orientation, and we'll, they'll have that this week. And then we start school next week, day after Labor Day, uh, as far as the Christian school goes. And so that's coming real fast. Silas, next one of mine, he leaves for college tomorrow. My wife and I will run him down there Monday, come back Tuesday, but uh, to uh, Indiana. And so we have another one leaving the house. And then uh, Brother Allen's got one leaving the house. Brother Morgan's got one leaving the house. Two fellows, military, 10 days uh, they head off uh, for the Marines. And so that'll be exciting for them. Looking forward to those days of sleeping in and getting up when you want to and eat what you want. And to tell you what, this is going to be a fun time. They're going to be on a vacation, amen? So anyway, pray for uh, Caleb and Martin as they get ready for that as well. Daniel chapter number four this morning. I want to look at these verses together with you. And uh, church, I'm going to read, I pray first, and then we're going to jump right into this lesson. This is, let's see, we've got this lesson and one more, and that'll finish up the major prophets. And uh, church, we're planning on, um, planning on having a break between the major and the minor prophets, and I'm going to go through the fruit of the Spirit with you uh, for Sunday school and kind of just give everybody a breather as far as that before we start the minor prophets uh, and get into that last section of the Old Testament. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you again for letting us be in church this morning. Lord, just ask again for your, your power, your uh, the liberty that you give in preaching and speaking your word, give direction now. And Lord, help us, uh, uh, Lord, take these thoughts and Lord, apply to our life as well as be a help to others. And, and Lord, have us a clear understanding of the scriptures and Lord, what it means, not only for them, but for us. Thank you again for your goodness to us. Lord, bless your people this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Daniel chapter 4, look at verse number 1 now. The Bible says this in verse number 1. It says, Nebuchadnezzar the king unto all people, nations, languages that dwell in all the, le- or the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. So church family, here's what takes place in Daniel chapter 4. Chapter four. In these 37 verses, the Nebuchadnezzar is about to tell his dream. Daniel's going to interpret the dream and then the, re- then the dream is fulfilled and then there's a result from that dream. This chapter is a little bit different than some chapters because in this particular chapter, he starts off the chapter talking about what God did in his life before he tells what took place that caused it, all righty? So when the Bible says in verse number one, I Nebuchadnezzar, I'm talking to all people, all nations everywhere, he wants everybody to know what God did in his life. By the way, if you're saved, you ought to want everybody to know what God did in your life. You ought to want to tell people about what the Lord did in your life and, and how you got saved. Yesterday we were out soul winning uh, for just a little bit but the, uh, in Topeka, and I haven't had this happen in a long time, but two of the doors I talked to, two different places said, I just want you to know you made my day. I just wish everybody would say that to me. Ready? But uh, I want to tell you, sometimes that doesn't happen, but everybody needs to know about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, again, here's what Nebuchadnezzar, God had did a work in Nebuchadnezzar's heart. And he starts off the chapter saying, I want everybody to know what God did in my heart. So before he tells the story, he gets everybody's attention by doing so. Look at verse number two. He says, I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. Now, church, I mean, that's the title of your lesson this morning, the most high And the reason for that is because in verse number two, he talks about the high God. In verse number 17, he says, uh, the living may know that the most high ruleth. In verse number 25, till thou know that the most high ruleth. Verse 32, the same, the most high ruleth. So that's where we got our title this morning is Nebuchadnezzar makes recognition of God. Verse number three, talking about the most high God, hath how great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. Verse number three and verse number 34 make that same uh, statement. And Nebuchadnezzar, what he's trying to say is, is God's in charge. 
He's trying to say that God's dominion is over all nations and all people, and he is the one that has an everlasting kingdom. By the way, church family, that hasn't changed at all. And we live in a society today where everything's about who's the next president. I want to tell you who the president is, God. All righty? And we get kind of, a, 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 kind of nervous about who's going to be the leader because of some of the laws that are created and, of course, that oftentimes go against the word of God. But can I just remind us all, God is sovereign, all right? And meaning that God is in control and he's the one that's in charge. And so Nebuchadnezzar makes that recognition, all right? Now, church, I, mean, I don't know if you mark your Bible up at all, but verse number four down through verse number 18 and again, I'm giving you large sections. You can split this up more. But verse 4 through 18 is Nebuchadnezzar's, Nebuchadnezzar's dream as far as what he dreams, okay? Uh, I'm going to I'm read a few more verses. And again, because of trying to hurry, I don't want to read all the verses this morning. But verse number 4, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in mine house and was flourishing. Verse 5, I saw a dream which made me afraid. Verse number 6, therefore made I a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon. Obviously, they couldn't, couldn't define what that was. Verse 7, it says, then came in the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers, and I told a dream before them, but they did not make known unto me the interpretation thereof. But at the last, who did he call in? Daniel. Daniel, verse number eight. At the last, Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And before him I told the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, master of the magicians, behold, I'm sorry, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in thee, and no secret troubleth thee. Tell me the visions of my dreams. Jump down to verse 10. Thus were the visions of mine head. So now Nebuchadnezzar is going to tell him what the dream was. Verse number 10. Here's the dream. Thus were the visions of mine head in my bed. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and the height thereof was great. Can you see the tree in your mind? The tree grew and was strong and the height thereof reached unto heaven and the sight thereof to the end of all the earth. The leaves thereof were fair and the fruit thereof much and it was meat for all. The beast of the field had shadow under it, and the fowls of the heaven dwelt in the bows thereof, and all flesh was fed of it. I saw in the visions of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher, an holy one, came down from heaven. He cried aloud and said, Thus hew down the tree, and cut off his branches, shake off the leaves, and scatter its fruit. Let the beast get away from under it, and the fowls from its branches. Verse 15, Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass, in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the field, I'm sorry, grass of the earth. Verse 16, let his heart be changed from man's, and let a beast's heart uh, be given unto him, and let seven times pass over him. This matter is by the decree of the watchers, and the demand by the word of the holy ones. Why? The words why is not in your Bible, but why? To the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. Verse 18, this dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. So Belteshazzar, which was Daniel now, is going to interpret the dream. That's verse number 19 down to verse number 27, 19 through 27. So verse number 4 through verse 18 is the dream. Verse 19 through 27 is the interpretation of that dream. Verse number 28 through verse 33 is the fulfillment of of that dream. And then the verse 34 through 37 is the result of that dream. If, you, if you're breaking things down in your Bible, I'll probably go over that again, but I just want you to understand what's going on here. All right, now, before I go on any farther, let's get in our minds so we can get to what the Lord has for us this morning. Now, this is my tree. I'm sorry. I couldn't come up with a bigger tree. All right, so, I mean, I could have, but we're, this is the tree. So, Nebuchadnezzar in his dream sees this tree that's to the, to the heavens, okay, and its leaves and its branches are go way out. There's animals underneath the tree. There's birds in the boughs of the tree. Statements like, 
uh, all meat, all, uh, all things, if I remember correctly. It talks about how everybody was fed from the stream. So here he has this, this dream and he sees this tree and he says, in my dream, I heard uh, the watcher or the seer speak out from heaven and say, cut down the tree. And he said, boy, sure enough, cut down the tree. But he also said, leave the stump. And so he has this dream in his mind and he says, the watcher said, let seven times pass over. And it uses a personal pronoun, not the tree. Let seven times pass over him. So he knew it was talking about a person. All right. So this is the dream that Nebuchadnezzar is dreaming. Now let's look at the interpretation by Daniel. Verse number 19. And uh, verse number 19, then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for one hour. Verse number 20, the tree, here's the interpretation, the tree that thou sawest, which grew and was strong, whose height reached unto the heaven, and the sight thereof to all the earth, whose leaves were fair and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all, under such, I'm sorry, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and upon whose branches the fowls of the heaven had their habitation. Verse 22, I circled it, it is thou, O king. Thou art grown and become strong, for thy greatness is grown and reacheth unto heaven, and thy dominion to the end of the earth. And whereas the king saw a watcher and a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, Hew the tree down and destroy it, yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his, there's the personal pronoun, let his portion be with the beasts of the field, till seven times pass over him. Verse 24, this is the interpretation, O king. And this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the King. Verse 25 through 27, he now specific, gets specific about it. He says that they shall drive thee from men, and thy, thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven. And seven times shall pass over thee. Why? Again, the word why is not there, but here I, I underline, it says the same thing in verse 17 does till thou know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee after that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule wherefore O king let my counsel be acceptable unto thee and break off thy sins by righteousness and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility all right so just let me stop one more time we understand now from the story Nebuchadnezzar dreams this dream, sees this huge tree, leaves and branches going everywhere, all kinds of animals and birds getting their food and sustenance from it. And so now Daniel, he explains the dream. He says, Dan, he says Nebuchadnezzar, you're the tree. By the way, we, I think we had a previous lesson in Daniel chapter number two, talking about the world empires. Nebuchadnezzar knew that he was the head of gold. And he knew that coming after him was Medo-Persian of silver and then brass and how all these world empires. And at that time, Nebuchadnezzar ruled over all the known world. So now he has this dream and says, hey, guess what? You're going to get cut down. The tree's going to fall, but the stump's going to be left behind. And for seven years, you're going to run like an animal and you're going to eat grass and your hair is going to turn into feathers and your uh, fingernails are going to turn into claws. And for seven years, you're not going to be in your right mind. All right, look what happens next now. The result of that, verse 28 through verse 33, I'm sorry, the fulfillment, not the result. Verse 28 through 33. And all this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar at the end of how long? He walked out, walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee and they shall drive thee from men and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen and seven times shall pass over thee. 
Uh, again, the word wise not there, but he says it again. Until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled that, uh, upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers, and his nails like bird claws. <laughs> Verse 34 to the end of the chapter, these last few verses is the result. All right, so here's what happened. He has this dream, sees this tree up into heaven, and uh, he sees somebody coming down and cutting the tree down, leaving the stump. He goes to Daniel, Daniel, tell me what it is. Daniel, here's, Daniel says, here's the interpretation. You're the tree. He says, everybody has taken their sustenance from you. You're a world leader. You're a world empire. But you know what? Because of your pride, God's going to cut you down. God says he does. And he says, that's what's going happen. And of course, we find out for seven years, that's what takes place. Now, after that seven years is over, all right, we're almost there, okay? We're almost done with the chapter and we'll get running here. But look at verse 34. And at the end of the days, at the end of that seven years, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven. And mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High and I praised and honored him that liveth forever. Again, this is in verse number three, the same statement, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation. Verse 35, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will, God's will, his will, in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand, none, or say unto him, what, say, what doest thou? At the same time, my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my Lord sought unto me. And I was established in the kingdom, and an excellent majesty was added unto me. What's the first word in verse 37? Now I had Nebuchadnezzar praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment. And let's read the last phrase together. You ready? And those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. All right. Now, I just want to point out three things about this particular lesson as far as the story this morning. And uh, look at three things uh, concerning Nebuchadnezzar, okay? Now, I think that we've got this thing figured out as far as what took place, all right? He has this dream. He's the tree in the dream, all right? He's the one that's the world empire. Everybody's looking to him. And, but what had happened is he got to the place that he was looking at him, all right? And though he was the king, Nebuchadnezzar, he had conquered all the known world at that time. And everybody looked to him as this great power. The problem was, is he saw himself that way. And God says, I want to remind you, you are what you are because of what I have made you, all righty? And church, I mean, can I just tell you, we are what we are because of what God makes us. You are not what you are because you have a good ed education. You are not what you are because you work hard and have a good work ethic. You are not what you are because of the family you were born into. You are what you are because of God, all righty? And so Nebuchadnezzar forgot that. So God said, okay, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to cut the tree down. Now, God does an, does an amazing thing here, all right? So here in his dream, the Bible says that that he cut the tree down, all right? So I brought my saw this morning. And uh, let's see how this thing works. I've been wanting to do that for a long time. All right, and so God says that he cut the tree down and he left the stump, all right? Now, can you imagine after seven years coming back and the Bible says that God gave him his kingdom back? It goes right along with the verse that you memorized today out of Psalm chapter 75 or for next week that God puts one up and he takes another down. Promotion belongeth unto the Lord, all right? And so this is the story that we want to look at this morning and I want to talk about the three thoughts concerning that, all right? All right, and if you fall asleep on me, I'm going to bring the... Saul, back to where you're at, amen, all right? 
And so we'll look at that this morning. Now, first thing I want you to see this morning is this, all right? I want you to notice that in verse number 15, verse 23, and 26, the statement that is used in all three of those is this, leave the stump. Look at verse number 15. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth. All right. Again, in verse number 23, he says, And whereas the king saw a watcher and a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, Hew the tree down and destroy it, yet leave the stump. Verse 26, And whereas they commanded to leave the stump. Now, church, can I just tell you, I think the principle that we see here is this, is that even though Nebuchadnezzar had sinned against God, and as the Bible says, he had pride in his heart that he'd forgotten that God's the one that made him what he was. God says, hey, listen, when we humble ourselves in the sight of God, God says, hey, listen, I can lift you up. That's what he says in the book of James. Now, here's the principle I want you to think about this morning. And again, just I know there's more lessons than three. But when you look at this story, I think the first thing that really stands out in my mind is that God gives second chances. I mean, for God to say three times, leave the stump. And for Nebuchadnezzar, who's taken out, just mean, would you follow a person that acted like an animal for seven years? But yet God touched the hearts of those followers to follow Nebuchadnezzar after he saw the king eating grass and having hair like feathers and claws like, uh, like birds. And yet after seven years, they still let him come back and be king. They let him come back and be king because there's a God who sets up one and puts down another. And again, I think one of the major principles here is that God gives second chances. So he went from being a proud ruler to being a humble ruler. And God says, that's all I want. I want you to have humility. I don't want you to have pride in your heart. Listen, I think a lot of times we as Christians, we stigmatize a person because of events or things that they have done in their life. And I just want to tell you, the thing about God is God forgives. And that's why they get second chances. And I want to tell you, you got a book full of people that God gave second chances to. I mean, Jonah, who turned his back on God, went the other direction, went through the, through, the, through the ride and the whale. But yet Jonah, God says, the word of the Lord came to him a second time. When you look at Peter, the person who denied the Lord Jesus Christ, he's still the one that saw 3,000 people saved at Pentecost. Why? Because God gave him another chance. We go through the scriptures over and over and over and over. I think there's people that give up on what God could do in their life because of a bad decision or a bad choice or a bad action, and all of a sudden they just give up and quit. God never gives up on people. I like Jeremiah chapter 18, and I like it because it's the story of the potter. In Jeremiah 18, I think it's verses 1 through 4, where it talks about how the clay was marred in the potter's hand. Now listen to this verse. And the vessel that he had made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. Can I just tell you that the potter's not the one that marred the clay. The Bible says the clay was marred in the hand of the potter, not by the potter, but in the hand of the potter. But yet God says, I'm going to remake it over again. Hey, listen, we oftentimes, if it's, unless it's a relation, we, we don't mind giving our relate, a person related to the benefit of the doubt, but we don't usually give benefit of the doubt to other people. Can I just tell you, we're all children of God means we're all related to him. If you're a child of God, you're, you're, you're related to him. So again, what was this thing about Nebuchadnezzar? I want to tell you, the reason God left the stump is because God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to come back and be king again. That was God's choice. That was not Nebuchadnezzar's choice. God says, I'm going to leave this stump. And after seven years, he comes to his senses and says, that was dumb. That was crazy for me to think that I'm the one that conquered the world. That was crazy to me to think that I'm the one that built Babylon. He said, God's the one. And because of that, God gave him another chance. 
I look at 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins. To me, these are reasons why God gives second chance, just like he did for Nebuchadnezzar. The reason Nebuchadnezzar was able to come back is because of the last verse in chapter number 4. Look at your Bible again. In chapter number 4, the word now is used in verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to base. Who said that? Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar voices to God, I'm the one that walked in pride. I'm the one that you abased. And he says, I was wrong for that. Can I just tell you the reason Nebuchadnezzar got a second chance is because he confessed his sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just I want to tell you, you know, the thing about David is this, is we look at David's life and there's two black marks on David's life. Da David, the king, David, the son of Jesse. One of the black marks on David's life was Bathsheba, but the other black mark on David's life was he numbered the people, all right? One was lust, one was pride. But yet David, the thing about David is that David did not give up. David confessed. Do you understand? He would have never been the sweet psalmist of Israel. He would have never been the man after God's own heart. He would have never been the king that God wanted him to be if he would not have been given a second chance in his life. Can I tell you, I look at Nebuchadnezzar, and yes, he got cut down, and it's over with, in a sense, but it wasn't over with when it comes to God, because God gives second chances. Amen. The second reason God, he got second chance, and when you look at Nebuchadnezzar, was not only God was forgiving, but God was merciful. God did not give Nebuchadnezzar what he deserved after he walked out into the balcony and said, look what I have done. Psalm chapter 103, as well as 116, says this, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. Gracious is the Lord and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. I don't know about you, but you walk out in the morning and you see the sun rising and you just look out and if you're out in the country at all, you look over the rolling hills and you just think about, this is a big place when you think about the world. Brother Ortiz is uh, in Japan right now with Pierce uh, doing a mission trip and the missionary support Brother Gardner, they're with him. And this morning he texted me as far as being over there to think that he's on the other side of the globe we serve an awful big God that notices details, and we're one of those details. Casting all your care upon him, why? Why would God care about us? I want to just tell you, the reason he cares about us is because he loves us. And God says, I'm not willing because you make a mistake or do something that's wrong. I'd give you a second chance. And there are so many people that never take the second chance because they, first of all, don't ask God for forgiveness. Number two, they don't realize, they don't realize or understand the mercy of God. You know, we look at one another because Christians, and I, and I use the term Christian, Christians can be so harsh and mean to, to other people, or let me say it this way, unforgiving. And so we mentally picture God's mind being like the mind of a human being. God's mind's not like that. God is a forgiving God. And I'm just trying to tell you that after seven years of Nebuchadnezzar losing it all. And by the way, sometimes a person has to lose it all before they get it all. They have to hit bottom before they can get back up. But the wonderful thing about hitting bottom is God's there to help you get back up. Amen. And so again, we're looking at this passage here. What is it about Nebuchadnezzar? God gave him a second chance. And by the way, he was a heathen king. I do not know for sure, but somewhere along this line, I believe that Nebuchadnezzar gets, becomes a believer. I believe possibly it's Daniel chapter number four. I don't think it was Daniel chapter number two. Because in Daniel chapter number two, when he set up his image and told everybody to bow to it. And then even in Daniel chapter 3, when the, you have um, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego 
somewhere through this process, he figured out there is a God in heaven. And I just want you to understand that when you remember that there's a God in heaven, that that God loves you and he cares about you. And yes, for salvation, but also, again, for you as a person that God wants to use you. How does that happen? It's because he gives us second chances. Hey, don't give up and quit on life because you're not where you think you should be. Just trust God. He knows where you are and where he wants you to be. All right. So he gives So the first thing I think, see here, I think it's pretty clear that leave the stump is the indication of God's mercy in giving second chances. All right. If you're with me so far, say amen. amen. Now, second, second, second thing I want you to think about. And it goes along with that last verse again in verse number 37, that last phrase. It says, in, and Nebuchadnezzar said this, those that walk in what? Pride he's able to abase. What started Nebuchadnezzar down his seven-year road living like an animal? Well, I think it's verse number 30. I think verse number 30 is what started it because the Bible says, I'll read verse 29, at the end of 12 months he walked into the palace of the kingdom of Babylon, kingdom of Babylon and the king spake and said, is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the, by, by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. So we understand that again immediately what happens, God, this voice comes out of nowhere and says, Nebuchadnezzar, you're no longer king. You just lost it all. So where did his seven-year journey begin? It began with pride in his life where he said, it's me, it's my, it's I. But where did it end? It ended at the end, the last verse, last phrase. It ended with humility in his life. When I look at this story, I see, first of all, I see that God gives second chances. But I see, second of all, God really hates pride. God really hates pride. I was talking to Wayne and Larray this morning about the mission trips, and there's just no place like the United States of America. If you have traveled out of the country at all, you know there's no place like the United States of America. And I want to tell you, there's other places you can go. For instance, we, we, we flew into Panama, and it's, it might be close in some areas. But that's Panama City. But as soon as you step out of Panama City, you're talking dirt roads and huts made out of corrugated steel and, and on and on and on. It's just, there's just no place. And I'm going to tell you something. The poverty level that we have in the United States is still not like the poverty level in a foreign country. Our poverty level still has running water. Our poverty level still has indoor bathrooms. Our poverty level still has video games. <laughs> Our poverty level still has a cell phone. I'm just letting you know. It is nothing like a foreign country. Excuse me, the United States, one of the biggest, it's interesting how the book of Ezekiel refers to Sodom and Gomorrah and it talks about the sins of Sodom. Do you know what the sin, one of the first sins God mentioned about Sodom was? Pride. It was pride. You know one of the sins of the United States of America, and I'm talking about as a whole, and it doesn't matter if you're lost or saved, one of our sins is this idea of I'm deserving of what I had. I, 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 I pulled my own pulled myself up on my bootstraps, and I made this happen. Pride, God doesn't like that. I mean, there's a lot of scripture about it, and there's a lot of illustrations about that. Think about it. We have a Satan because of pride. Lucifer said five times in the book of Isaiah 14, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. And God said, you won't. Do you understand? God, God punishes pride harshly. Herod comes out, and, and he... The people say it's the voice of a God and he soaked all that in. And guess what? He's eaten of worms in front of them. Eve ate of the fruit because she was told that she would be wiser than God. You know what that's called? Pride. 
all of us have to deal with P-R-I-D-E. The idea of it's me, it's my, it's, it's what I have done. And I want to tell you, we all have to struggle with that on a regular basis. And if you don't think so, I'm telling you, you're really missing it in life. Because when you look in the mirror, you better thank God every day that what you have and who you are is a blessing from the Lord and only that. It's only that. You know, all of us are starting getting older and you start to feel those aches and pains that you don't know where they came from. And they, they, they seem to linger a lot longer. <laughs> I always tease about, you know, growing up, they had that cereal... Uh, Snap, crackle, and pop where you put the milk in. Okay, you don't need milk anymore. Just get out of bed. Something's going to snap, something's going to crackle, and something's going to pop. All right? And the older we get, the more we realize, I'll tell you what, God, I really need you today. A person that's younger, you know, they think, I've got the strength and I've got the abilities. Our strength and our abilities is not us. Our strength and our abilities is God and what God does in our life. God does not like pride. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And the very first one is what? A proud look. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. God hates a person who gets to the place where they think it's about them and what they're doing. I'm so thankful for what's happened at the Heritage Baptist Church and how God has blessed our church over the years and properties and buildings and people and, and kids that have grown up in this church and then go out and start churches in foreign countries and a hundred missionaries that we support. And we could go on and on of the blessings, not of the blessings of what Heritage has done, but the blessings of what God has poured out upon Heritage. Amen. It's not us, it's Him. I've heard p- parents talk about before because in a, in a in a sense, they're proud of their children. And by the way, you know, we're grateful to God if our children do right. <laughs> we're grateful to God even if they do wrong. But there are no great parents. There's only a good God. It's not a matter of us being good parents as far as our children growing up and making good choices. It's a matter that God does something in their life. You say, where do you get that from? Psalm 127, verse number one. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain, they build it. Except the Lord. You understand that all of us in our life, the good things that happen in our life, here's what, if we're not careful, we do. We blame all the good things that happen in life on us. We blame all the bad things that happen in life on God. Well, this happened because I worked hard, because you got a bonus at work. And then something crazy happens. Your car and car breaks down. You say, God, what, what are you doing this to me? You understand that pride, God does not like that at all. So when I look at the story about Nebuchadnezzar, what do I see in the story? Number one, I see God gives second chances. Number two, I see that God hates pride. And God doesn't want us to have pride in our life. And we have to combat that on a regular basis and ask God's forgiveness. And, of course, God's merciful to us. Last but not least, this is a good one, too. I think you'll like Look at your Bible. Something else that's mentioned three times in your Bible. I'm in Daniel chapter number four uh, again. You'll notice in verse number two, it mentions the high God. Again, started, I think we started this way. Verse number 17 uh, it says, this matter by the decree of the, of the watchers, that a man by the word of the holy ones to the intent, what? That the living may know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. That phrase is mentioned again in verse number 25. That phrase is mentioned again at the end of verse number 32. And Nebuchadnezzar basically says the same thing in verse number 34 uh, through verse number 37, that God is the person who rules in the kingdom of men. Church, I made the verse that we were referring to earlier was Psalm 75, verse 6 and 7. For promotion cometh neither from the, e- from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up 
another. We, uh, I think the third lesson that we see here that's very clear in here, first of all, we see that God gives second chances. Second of all, we see that God hates pride. But third of all, we, I, I think it's very, very clear that God ruleth in the kingdom of men. God ruleth in the kingdom of men. Uh, Church, I, mean, I know I don't keep up with news. I just hear bits and pieces usually from people about that thing. Of course, they had the Republican debate, and uh, there's a lot of uh, talk. You know, uh, uh, President Trump wasn't there and all that. Hey, can I just tell you something, church family? I'm all for getting a godly leader, and I'm all for, for a person who uh, bases rulings upon the word of God. And there might be some that are better than others. But church family, the truth of the matter is God always and always will be the one that's sovereign. And that word sovereign means to be the supreme ruler. And he's not, God's just not the supreme ruler of the United States. He's the supreme ruler of the world. And there are people who think they're in charge. And Nebuchadnezzar had to find out he wasn't the one in charge. Guess what God did? He cut him down. He ran like an animal for seven years. At the end of that seven years, he came to his senses. And God allowed him to be king again. I was looking through the scriptures and I, find it, I found this interesting. You remember the verse, uh, Proverbs 21, verse number one. Uh, it says this, the king's heart is where? Is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he what? Turneth it whithersoever he will. Remember that verse? Psalm, Proverbs 21, verse number one. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. It was interesting when you go through the scriptures, how many kings God moved or uh, stirred up or caused them to do what he wanted them to do. One was Artaxerxes, and the Bible says in the book of Ezra, Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers, which hath put such a thing in the, heart of the, uh, in the king's heart to beautify the house of the Lord. Why would Artaxerxes give a grant to Ezra to go build a temple four months, uh, four, uh, four month travel away? I want to tell you why. Because there's a God that ruleth in the kingdom of men. Why did Pharaoh cause Joseph to be raised as governor of Egypt? Because there's a God that ruleth in the kingdom of men. Why did Cyrus tell the Jews that after their 70 years in Babylon, you can all go back if you, of your own free will and go back to Jerusalem? Because the Bible says that the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made proclamations throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing. What? Because what God does in a person's life. Church, I mean, all that happens at your work, there's still a God that ruleth in the kingdom of men. Whatever happens in our city, there's still a God that ruleth in the kingdom of men. Whatever happens in our country, there's still a God that ruleth in the kingdom of men. Remember when COVID took place? Everyone still likes that word, right? COVID. Remember when COVID took place and our, and our lovely governor said, uh, you can't go to church? Yeah. Remember that? Okay. Hey, uh, of course, uh, how, how many remember those times? I tell you, that was the best time for our church. We kept having church. Amen. It caused people to decide, am I going to obey God or, or am I going to obey man? God didn't say to forsake church. And now they look back at this COVID thing. What a joke to some. Now, I know there are people that died with COVID. I'm not trying to belittling death. But, but the extent that the government took it was way out of place. Way out of place. And so uh, we look back at those times. But can I just tell you, when the governor told our sheriff's department that, hey, listen, they, they, uh, they're not supposed to have it. And our sheriff's department came and met with my office and said, I'm just trying to tell you, because our sheriff's department liked, likes us. He says, I'm, he says, I'm between a rock and a hard place. He says, I'd like to help you, but the governor says this. And I told him, I said, listen, I don't know what to tell you, but we're not stopping having church. And if you want me to go outside and put a tent up, we are still gathering together. I'm not having car church. I'm not having internet church. I'm having an assembly church. Amen. And uh, we look at those days and look back. That, can I just tell you, God was still in control even during those days. Amen. 
All right? Now, I'm just trying to remind us this morning when you look at this lesson, what was God trying to teach Nebuchadnezzar? What is he, what's he trying to teach us? We've got a God of second chances. We've got a God who hates pride. And we've got a God who rules in the kingdom of men. God rules in the kingdom of men. Would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning? Would you ponder some of the thoughts this morning? Maybe something for you. Maybe something that you need, to, again, to share with somebody else to, this morning. The most high ruleth. Listen, whatever's going on in your life, it's not you, it's God. What's God trying to do in your life? Heavenly Father,